You're listening to Earful of Dirt, the Major League Rugby Podcast. We're live each Monday night on YouTube, available for download every Wednesday morning, and always online at earfulofdirt.com. Bringing you the latest news, views, and abuse, Earful of Dirt is the only podcast dedicated to Major League Rugby. Now, coming to you live from across the United States, here's your hosts. And we're live. Welcome to Earful of Dirt, the Major League Rugby Podcast. Thank you for joining us. I'm Aaron Castro. Joined this week by Victor Perez, Dan Brown from New York City, Josh Fredland, content editor in Denver, and Corey Munson in Iowa. So if you have any questions, hit him up in the comments or even on Twitter. Hashtag EODpod and at Earful of Dirt. Uh, how's your week been, guys? Yeah, good. Same oh, answer every here. single week. Not bad. Yeah, Ooh, sorry. Sorry about last night, guys. That was uh, mostly me. I got busy with family stuff and uh, kind of had to cut out on you. So appreciate oh, everybody sure. hanging in with us and coming back on Tuesday for a special edition of EOD here. I forgot today is Tuesday. Today is Monday. So um, for everyone that's new, um, usually on Mondays, we discuss news and verified rumors from Major League Rugby, the United States Professional Rugby Union competition. So it's, you know, just talk about issues, hear from team leadership and the league. But we got a review, guys. And this one's, this is kind of funny. The way yeah, two reviews, that. technically. I, yeah, I guess, I guess. We got a two for one. So this was on our page. Wait, where was the... Yeah. Uh, so... Yeah, here we go. So this was on our page. We had to go find the other ones. From SJ Rugby. Eh. Five stars. <laughs> During the last podcast, it was said that if five stars were given, they would be read. Uh, the review would be read regardless. Hmm, sounds familiar. Kind of like those guys are in red, white, and so I've decided to write a review for the American Rugby Pod, and I will do the same over at You're Full of Dirt. These two fight. Young gentlemen <laughs> are amazing at what they do and are top of the American-based rugby pods worth listening to. I look forward each week to the newest episode of the podcast. Cry a little when they leave from time to time, begging to hear their angelic voices once more. So I don't think that one was about us. But that I'm a bit was slow, and I, I got really confused when I first read it. Yeah, it took so, me a couple seconds. So... Here's ours, earful of dirt, question mark, five stars. So since both pods have now said they will read any five-star review, I've decided to switch write-ups on each and post on each other's review boards and the other to read it off. EOD is a fun, wild ride of a podcast, very insightful on the Major League Rugby happenings, also a bit on what's happening throughout rugby in the America's North community. By the way, the last pod you guys called it NACRA, which has been gone for a few years now. It's ran. Each week, their podcasts are worth the download and listen and can't wait till MLR actually starts. To both pods, keep up the amazing work. Guys are going, doing great. Hey, NACRA is easier to say than ran. Okay? That's all I'm saying. Is it? Maybe. We'll discuss later. 
No, it's not. It's supposed to be Rand. All right. In my, in my defense, that was Aaron who said it. Not me, nor Josh, nor Dan, nor Corey. So you blame him, reviewer. You blame, you blame Castle for that. So this week, what do we got, Dan? This week we got Houston versus NOLA in the first unofficial official MLR match. It's still preseason. Uh, sorry, preseason, so it technically doesn't count yet. Uh, but the first taste of real MLR action – after that, we had quite uh, another ARC victory, um, some transactions going on throughout the league, as well as a potential America's Championships Cup. So um, with all that said, let's get down to it. What do you guys uh, got to say on the Houston match? So first MLR on MLR crime? Question? <laughs> <laughs> uh, so what do you guys think? Okay, guys, so I'll take that one first. So fans thought it was going to be a cl- close match, but it wasn't. The score was. ended... Uh, well, uh, well, man, come on. well, I mean, the score ended 30-12, so close, quote-unquote, at least in my opinion. But, uh, of course, you could see the differences between playing several games with the Server Cats, again, winning 30-12, to and then, as opposed to the Nola Gold, that only played one match against the Capital Selects. So, again, you can see the difference right there. Now, Sabercats were in the front foot the whole time, as as usual, really, now. And then on a goal, got some opportunities to score, which they took via mostly Vince Jovo. He's been definitely a good signing, I have to say. He's been looking great for the squad. Uh, I learned why people are so hyped about this Alex Elkins guy, because he just stiff-armed his former teammate, uh, um, Sebastian Calm, like it was nothing. Making it clear why he is now in the Eagles pool. I can't wait to see, obviously, uh, both teams play again and see if the goal can, can redeem themselves. I don't know if their their next match against each other is going to be in NOLA or back in Houston. But, hey, either way, I really want to see that back. It's going to be in NOLA, I think, which I yeah. hope will be on Facebook Live. It will on be on gift, gift Time. Is that confirmed? Yeah. On oh, gift there you time. go. There we on go. schedule. On Gift Time. Um, but, yeah, as Aaron kind of said before, it's uh, – it wasn't really a close match, but it really was a close match. I mean, it was um, 30 to 12, but the halftime score was 15 7, and then it was 23 12 right before um, the final try to really close it out. So Nola was, they were in the game. It wasn't like they were blown out and they just scored in garbage time. They scored in the beginning of the match. Um, all the indications were that this really was a, a chippy match, too. Um, I don't really know how many yellow cards there were, but I know that. There was lots of pushing and shoving, so that's really awesome to see from the uh, first MLR match. The two two neighbors are going to start to really hate each other, I hope. Um, also, shout out to uh, Fondy Cards. I'm not really sure how to say that name. Um, from Reddit, he actually guessed the exact score at 30-12. to 12. Um, Good Send on you. Send the Powerball numbers. <laughs> yeah, we need some help with that. Um also, Houston posted a, a highlights or I guess a, a trilights video from the match. So it showed three of those, and the best was actually the final try scored by Sam Windsor. Um, he chased down a box kick from his own 22 and then made a leaping, I guess like a diving catch into the tri zone, tri goal. I'm not, I, I don't forget what the official word is for that. I just call it tri zone. But it was really awesome. So they have that on their Facebook. So definitely give that a look. So for, you know, um, I don't know. Uh, spoke with uh, Coach Osborne. He thinks, uh, you know, 
Um, he thinks he's going to be right where he wants to be, uh, you know, when their preseason is done. And, you know, we, we just saw a team go 11 and two so far in the preseason. And, you know, was there dominance to an extent? Yeah. There, I don't think the, the game was really, you know, in question, but they fought. I mean, both teams were using a blitz defense and both teams, like they were flying at each other with some, you know, the, from what Grant Cole said in his commentary after the match was the intensity and speed at which these guys were playing was just dramatic. And it, he was watching the Eagles versus Brazil match. And he was like, it sort of feels pedestrian, you know? And I think that comes with watching really high level rugby right there in front of your eyes versus, you know, we'll get into, (laughs) we'll go into get into USA Brazil next, but, um, I'm. It's just really exciting to you know hear what people are saying about this match. Josh, you got something to say? Yeah, no, it's, it was a good match. Um, I mean, we definitely saw the difference between the team that's been together and has played more matches. Um, I called that handling errors were going to be an issue for Nola, and they were. Um, they haven't been together as long as Houston. They haven't been in in game situations as much. And while they did hang in there, their errors cost them the match. And I do realize you have to be a little cheeky to play um, scrum half. And Connor Murray was definitely cheeky with that last try. Um, everyone should go look at the photos on Houston's Facebook and look at just only the Connor Murphy photos. They're kind of funny. No other comment. <laughs> so, um. Let's move on to USA versus Brazil. So, guys, not our uh, not our best one. Wins a win, <laughs> you know. But we're starting to do some small things. Uh, you know, at the end, we had three tries in four and a half minutes. So, I mean, it was what it was. So we're, we were able to ratchet our intensity when we were a man down so far in this tournament. And, you know, we were actually on the back foot. And then uh, when they went a man down after uh, Lopez kicked Tony Lamborn in the face, that's when, like, we were out for blood. And then when they had 13 guys on the pitch and we had 14, it was over. That was just it. I think we scored two tries when that happened. And I think that's – I think – it was there were two forwards that got taken off, but then they had to take off two backs because yeah. they had to have enough for the for the scrum, or they had to take off one of the backs. So you can clearly see that when you're watching that. I think we scored on the sideline, and there's just no one there to to cover them. So it was just basically two easy tries from there. Okay, so let me take the word from there, guys. So. As some pointed out, it was an ugly win by USA, to say the least. Um, the wearers, losing scrums, and a few others uh, made it hard uh, to put more than 40, 45 points to Brazil and the way the 45-16 score. Meh. But again, it wins a win, obviously. Now, those three, um, those three points by Brazil uh, because of players receiving yellow cards uh, well, were taken by the Eagles, of course. And it was good redemptions uh, from what happened in 2016 
losing to the South Americans by a penalty kick. And speaking of that kick, Moises Duque, uh, who, who took it, had a great match and a great try, I had to say, for, for the Brazil. Now that the Eagles know that the scrum is a point of improvement, the next match against Uruguay should be a win. And I believe another American championship title. Point of improvement? Uh, not if not if Chris Bowman's starting. Sorry, um, he was take like he was taking penalties, man. Angus McClellan, your time to start. I am beating that drum because sadly, uh, I confirmed uh, with the team and on Instagram that Patty Ryan had foot surgery. He is going to be out for ten Oof. weeks. So uh, that's rough. Well, this is this is going to be available for MLR, which is good for for the Austin Elite. So. Ten weeks, be almost over by then. Two and a half months. Uh, no, actually, it's just yeah. starting. Ignore what I said. Rehab. <laughs> Not a problem. <laughs> I think actually, the reason why Bowman's really fallen off is he had to shave the mullet when he went over to the t- uh, Lester. <laughs> so you think that he lost? He's like Samson, like yeah. lost his power when he cut his hair. Well, that's you, what... got mo- you got a mullet like that. You can't. That's that's your power. That's from man. Mm-hmm. That's. Um, you know, and it, that, the, the scrummaging was just on, uh, at least on that side was rough. Um, yeah, I think we, we lost, I remember at one point we lost two and I'm trying to actually, I, I wrote it down, but they, they made sure to mention that, oh no, we had two penalties like really early on from this, from the scrums that really should not have happened. I think, I think Brazil's pack is actually pretty good for the most part. Um, but we still shouldn't. We shouldn't be giving up penalties in the scrum against, no. you know, an almost entirely amateur team. No. Um, We're no longer an inter- amateur team. We're mostly yeah. professional now. Technically, I know. Was it Dino Waldron? Uh, he was unavailable last week. He has not gone to Scottish yet, so I think he was available for the whole tournament. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think he was unavailable because of an injury. I think he'll be good this week. So I think that'll change up. Some things basically we'll have our first choice tight head right now um, back in, which will be a good thing. Um, but, uh, you know, there's since like all the pros are gone and then all the sevens guys have been recalled, we've got some glaring holes. Uh, so looking at tight heads, so say Dino Waldron's unavailable, and I think Angus is definitely the best guy. There are some domestic props that can play now. Like, um, you know, we talked about it, Paul Mullen for Houston, right? Mm-hmm. Um, he's USA qualified right now. He can he can go. Um, and we're talking about a Munster classically trained prop. So um, I think we'll, we'll uncover some over the course of MLR that are American qualified. I don't know too much about a lot of them, um, but I, I, I know that there's a lot of props on there that haven't been capped, and we may be able to find, at least for depth, I'm not saying that they'll be, you know, starters for the World Cup or anything like that, but at least for depth, um, I think we can definitely find at least some from there. I mean, even though this match really was sloppy, and even though we end up winning like 46 to 12 or whatever the score was, um, I still really like the performance of Hammerstein. Still, <laughs> still coming through. A hammer. <laughs> um, helped us get the bonus point after only 28 minutes. Um, I mean, it's really tough to just bring him down. He's he's the kind of guy where if you try and arm tackle him, it's just going to do nothing. So I really love seeing that. Um, I love Davies's Dave Davies's his passes. Um, 
Yeah, so it was really on point, really um, tight passes and actually where they should be. I was very happy with that. Um, So I'm very happy with our scrum half play so far. Um, And then also there was someone else that was on there too that I'm trying to remember. Um, I think Wuching actually had a pretty good game for the most part, and he was literally this close to scoring his first try, and he, he dropped it while going to score. So for it's really so disappointing. When I looked at it was so I would say the last game really spotlighted him. Um so you knew everything that he was pretty much doing. I don't I don't mm-hmm. think that was intentional. Whereas like this film, uh, you know, I'd need somebody else's like angle because I don't think it highlighted him as much. But no, I did not. I did start to see like some things like his running lines were better. Mm-hmm. But uh I mean there wasn't enough film for where I could see glaring holes on defense like I did against Chile. So I think he's progressing, and I think, you know, the coaches gave him what he needed to work on. But uh, I so there's only four back row options right now if you don't count Landry in in camp. It's the four that were played. Is that not a problem? Like, why did we not call anybody up? Like, um, so – and but if you count Landry, Landry can play six, uh, you know. So I would, and at a higher level, to be honest. So I would, you know, if think against Uruguay, I'd start him at six. And but then that leaves us thin at lock, right? So, so who do we have? Who do we have in the back row in camp right now? Uh, so Daly, Landry, Jensen, and Savetta. So mm. I mean, you've got a first choice pair right away. And then I like, I really like, or you could, I mean, I really like Jensen. Um, I, there was only 20 minutes of tape on daily. So I don't really have an opinion. Um, so, and usually we only carry one extra lock on the bench. So you could slide him over to six and then have, uh, if that's what you're going to do, but I would actually, um, slide him over to six in the second half, like start Hanko at six and then Lamborn at seven and Dolan uh, is at um, Dolan at eight, of course. And then, you know, keeps Psalm on the bench to come in, uh, you know, as an impact there. And then bring in a lock and then, um, you know, push Landry over to, uh, six and then Psalm would come in at seven. Uh, so wait, the four you say you say back row or second row? For which? You said we had four in camp for back row, I think. But then yes. You, I think so in so we have four back row and four uh, second row right now. Okay. Um. Yeah. So yeah, that's what we got. That's, uh, that's like one. Pretty much. I I did. So for the match article, I didn't really do like a full recap. I did something introspective, but here's some interesting analysis. Uh, Only three guys from the 2016 match that we lost were on this roster. And um, only three others, and it ended up only being two, were in this training squad to start the tournament. Um, Aladdin Shermer was not medically cleared for the... uh, the F following his injury at uh, Houston, from what I understand, based on the question I got back from USAR. Um, so he went to camp and was not cleared to play. Um, so interesting. Uh, 
So these three, and then Aladdin Shermer, Ryan Machas, and Joe Tafate were the only other guys in this player pool for the ARC. So that shows you the amount of turnover uh, our, you know, our program has had in two years. Um, Which I guess is good. You can look at good things and bad things from that, really. Um, good things that in 2016, that was the first tournament. So we were, as people keep saying, we were testing out all the players and trying to make sure and figure out who we actually had because we didn't have too many, um, too many test matches available to actually test out the players. Um, and that's also part of the reason why we lost to Brazil. You know, we were still establishing this. Um, but now, you know, I, I like to see that there's a lot more professionals coming from overseas and also domestic. Um, and obviously, especially with MLR coming out, that's just going to change everything and just put basically a flag on these players who are playing for MLR who aren't capped, just saying, you know, give them a shot. Especially because Gary Gold said he's going to be watching all the MLR matches yeah. each week. I, I So, you know, it's interesting. Some people wrote that Gary Gold doesn't look at the ARC as development, but he purely said to me when I was in, like, in front of him, he said that it is development. However, he likes to be consistent with his lineups and only change things that don't work, and he'll change his bench a little bit. Because if it's not work- – because the more consistent player group you have, the better your player group is going to become. Whereas if they, we call up drastically different players all the time, the the core group of players will not have the amount of caps you want. So was it the average that a tier one country likes to have when they go into the World Cup is 50 caps is the average across the player, across the starting 23. And uh, so we're not going to be there at all, but if we could have an average of 15 or 20, because right now we're, we're not there. If we could have an average of 15 or 20 and, you know, at least like eight or nine tests where the core player group is together um, rolling into the World Cup, we'll be – I think we'll be pretty solid for that pool. Um, we obviously won't win it because England will – you know, do what England does, but we Things will make a here. good show. We'll make a great showing. I think we're going to do more than win, you know, just one based on who is in there. Yeah. I mean, um, ARC is definitely a developmental tournament, but it's not like the APC and it's just purely developmental. It's getting reps in for guys who you aren't familiar with or um, getting them some extra depth, but you're not trying to just, you know, put in, you know, 21 year olds as all your starters who've never been capped before. You want people to be capped. This is a great chance for people to <clears throat> really, I guess, come together. And while the Eagles don't normally blow out teams, um, this is a chance to actually blow out a team and make sure that we stick to our fundamentals and stick to play. And as you saw in Brazil, that didn't really happen for the most part. And that's something that's really important to do. Well, I would say, so we look at two games, not really looking at this, but we saw what we could do the last game Mitchell coached, right, against Canada. Um, Not really what we could do is, but, you know, and we scored three tries in in like five minutes. So we saw how how much firepower, you know, we had on this. Uh, So let's get predictions for Uruguay. What do you got? Okay, guys, so let me take that one first. 
So otherwise, been looking solid, really, in uh, quite a number of games. Uh, unfortunately, the game they had against um, Argentina 15 wasn't meant to be. Uh, so if we beat Argentina 15, I assume we can beat Uruguay quite easily, I think. But you never know with this little Hawaiians. They go up and down, of course. I mean, they got great. It, I mean, they, there's a time when they go, I mean, you don't respect how good they get. And there's others when they just go, Phew. I mean, just what, what happened. But I do hope that um, we definitely uh, definitely come fighting and, and get that game down. But I think the Eagles are definitely going to win. In terms of scrumming, because I, I mentioned it in, in, my, in my comment. Ah, uh, man. Because that Uruguayan uh, scrum is it, it, there. And the American scrum is waning here and there, especially after what you mentioned regarding Chris Bowman at, at tie head, uh, Aaron. But uh, but I have hope that, that the guys can definitely uh, come with the W and, again, and back another uh, ARC uh, wing, another title. Yeah, it's tough to, I guess, definitively say because – um, we're missing a lot of our overseas um, professionals and our entire front row were overseas professionals who are all not with the squad. Um, <clears throat> I think the scrum will be a bit of an issue against Uruguay. Um, but like Victor says, I still think that we're going to win uh, because they're also missing their overseas pros. Um, so we're both at a bit of a loss there. Um, I think win by seven or 10. Yeah. Um, it's going to be, I think it's going to be really close. And, I, and I'm not going to just, as Victor said, I'm not going to just assume this is a victory because they could just basically, you know, pull one over on us. And I don't that's know. right. So I'm, scared. I'm, I'm actually pretty scared it's going to happen. So Montevideo is a very tough place to play. We have not uh, shown well there often. Um, and so I'm 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 saying Eagles minus seven. I did have it at minus ten before we played Brazil, and then we sort of like went out and played like crap. So I think Eagles by seven is fair, maybe even by five, uh, to be honest. Uh, you know, because the difference between them and our guys is, you know, all of their domestic players they play in the same club system around Montevideo, and when they're not practicing with their club. They practice together. So, um, you know, they're always training. They, you know, hang out all the time. So their chemistry is, you know, unmatched for a, you know, even a, just a mainline tier two side. So I think it's going to be difficult. Uh, scrummage wise, I think we'll improve if Dina Waldron's available or if Angus starts, to be honest. Uh, but it's going to be tough. We need to, if we just achieve parity and we don't, um, take our chances away from ourselves. I think you know it's it's going to be pretty solid because we have athletic overmatch in the backfield. So they are also actually currently ranked above us. In case yeah. people didn't realize so, it happened, we actually lost a, a spot <laughs> in the rankings, which is oh, kind of shit to be honest. So so it's going to be an upset if we win. Just letting everybody know. That's <laughs> it's the miracle on the pitch. I don't know miracle on ice kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, we we kind of talked about this uh, two weeks ago or something. That the reason why Uruguay is now above us is because they were tied with us because of whatever reasons, and then they went ahead because they beat Chile. However, they beat Chile away as opposed to home, 
as if that really makes that big of a difference playing Chile. Um, so because we beat them at home, it wasn't enough where it wouldn't have made any difference because of the plus three world rankings, whatever. But because Uruguay did, they moved up. And now they're ahead of us, which is kind of shit, like I said. So, nah, no worries. It won't be for too long. The whole world's out to get us, really. It won't be for too long. It's okay. Yeah. So, so that changes next week. Uh, I'm really, I'm, I mean, I'm still excited. It's it's a um, a tight finish, like it was last year. It doesn't. It's not against the number two team in the tournament, which some people complained about, as if we're always going to play the number two team in the tournament every single time and have it our way. But this is still a nail biter. Um, this is still a decider, and Uruguay actually did have a chance of winning the whole thing up until like a week or two ago. You know, they were still up there, so it was still a challenge. So, really looking forward to this. Yeah. Um, so this is like going to be Josh's, uh, like in his wheelhouse, because I have no idea how transactions occurred in MLS until like he told me. Um, so. First, What's the tra- topic? first trade <laughs> in MLR history. Pakistanasi Afu, Pakistanasi Afu tra- traded to Utah Warriors from uh, Austin Elite um, for an undisclosed package. Unconditional seventh round pick. Uh, so for all those t- that just want to know who he is, he's a dual code Tongan star. So he was on the Tongan A side for Union this year. And he's yes, uh, got a ton of caps in you know Tongan rugby league. So Josh, what what do you think? Like I don't I mean So basically just let me just start out by saying this. Just think of Major League Rugby as Major League Soccer, just rugby instead of soccer. Um, Very the difficult. Way, yeah. <laughs> um, the way trades work in Major League Soccer is you can use players or you can use your assets that you're given, so draft picks, um, international slots, or um, allocation money. And so basically the only things that major league rugby teams have right now are international slots and salary cap. So either Austin got another international slot from Utah, which I don't think is likely, or they got more salary cap from Utah. So, so essentially they, that now in that case, they, they could have traded one of their international spots in addition to actually using an inter- international spot for Packy. Is that what you're saying? So, the way I believe it works is in, in major. I'm going off of Major League Soccer from my knowledge. If somebody wants to correct me, go ahead. That slot goes to that team. So we're going off the assumption of let's just say five slots. So Austin would not now have six to use, and Utah would only have four. And in Major League Soccer, that reverts back after so long, and so we'll see. So they can't trade players or anything like that. It can only. Be- I mean, they can. That w- it was just specified that it wasn't a player; that it was a package. Oh, okay. Yeah. It's a mystery box. I know that. I know for a fact that they did not get a player back. So that that is, I know that <laughs> they did not receive a a body in exchange. So. Uh, it could have been a body. <laughs> 
I think the trade was made partially because of comfort. Um, he is a um, Pacific Islander, and there is the Pacific Island community in Utah is big. And on the team, too. I mean, it looks yeah. like from the current team, as well as what I've seen from all the people who play for the Slacks and were at the um, uh, the Combine. Combine, sorry. I don't know why I said it like that. Um, there were a lot of Pacific Islanders who were present there. So I think that... I want to say that that team is definitely like 70% Pacific Islander so far, based on, you know, team photo. Yeah, probably. But I guess we'll have to just see how trades go. I didn't expect it to actually happen. So, um... Moving along, let's get into player signings. There were two announced uh, this week. Damn. So the Seattle Seawolves signed Seattle Saracens and former University of Oregon Rugby Football Club, or York Lock, um, Taylor Crumry. Uh, he's a product of the Lamarinda Rugby Club in Moraga, California. Um, during the second half of 2017, he moved to New Zealand and played for Te Awamutu Sports Rugby Club in uh, Waikato Premier Division. So I think all the signings over the past couple weeks by the Seawolves have been current Saracens players, um, as far as I'm concerned. So, yeah, definitely good to see them just rounding out the roster. They definitely had a really good one so far. Um, but I know the uh, Seawolves added someone else that Victor wanted to talk about really badly. That's, that's exactly right. And they got another player, a, a loose head, a hooker combination type player, a guy named Kellen Gordon, a member of a three club seven national championship teams, uh, which is Service Selects, and three 15 D1 club championships with the Seattle Saracens. Uh, he's a central Washington alumnus, and on top of that, a sevens All American. Apparently, exceptional human being, and in a pinch, he'll play back row. So he's definitely a welcome uh, to the Seattle squad. So congratulations to him. So it looks like our uh, we got tweet of the week coming up this week, and this is actually a, a pretty nice one. So this is a, a very historic uh, landmark in Seattle, which, as I didn't realize until I actually visited Seattle, is not the tallest building by a long shot um, in Seattle. But the Space Needle actually tweeted about the Seawolves, and this is after their um, their press conference that they had the other day. Um, what they just wrote: "Welcome to Seattle, Seattle Seawolves RFC. We've got high hopes for your inaugural season." And then rugby ball emoji. Um, high hopes is obviously, at least from what I see, a pun. If it's not, I'll be really disappointed. Um, but that's just cool because Space Needle is obviously got like 50,000 followers. Um, people actually know what the Space Needle is. So just good to see some local community coming together and uh, supporting rugby. Um, so I think that's what all we got for our main stuff. But I think we have a bit of, bit of banter coming up <laughs> with some trending topics. And a, a really, really interesting um, news just came out recently about our neighbors to the south. So, trending topics, Josh. What do you got, man? Victor's going to expand on one of these. I know that. All right, we got two of them this week. Um, first up, we got the South American Professional Rugby League. <laughs> uh, this is Rugby Union, so don't hate us. 
<laughs> um, and then we also got fantasy rugby that we're going to try. Victor. Pun intended on the try. Awesome. Okay, so I guess we'll go with an important one, and then we go to fantasy rugby last. <laughs> so <laughs> I wanted to go to that one first and then the, the league later, but okay. So uh, according to reports coming out of Uruguay specifically, uh, there are plans in 2019 for having a South American uh, rugby union league with franchises in Uruguay, of course, Brazil, Chile, and Argentina. So the plan is of having eight teams. So what I'm thinking is that they will, each one will have two. Argentina would, can definitely hold two franchises besides having the um, the Hawares in Super Rugby. Um, Uruguay, I guess they could, probably could. They have quite a number of clubs, same with Brazil and Chile as well. Now, uh, this is obviously quite welcome because the uh, until now, there's really no way for a, a, South, a South American player except from Uruguay or Argentina to sort of make it outside. Uh, some of them have been making their way to Spain. For example, a lot of Chileans have been going to Spain. Brazilians, uh, not so much. Uh, actually, two, um, two, occurring, two current Brazilian players, which were which are uh, Felipe and Daniel Sanseri, or Sanseji, I guess you would say in Portuguese, they were playing in Brazil. Or I think they were raised in, in they were playing in France, excuse me, and I believe they were raised in France and then went back to Brazil to play, and now they're, they've been playing in the country ever since, and, which is great. So with this prospect of a league, players like them can earn money and stay in their home country. Yeah. And really? Now the idea is that in the future there will be a like a champions. Whoa, 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 whoa. Hey, yeah, go hey, ahead. We're go. talking about that later. All right. Oh, oh, are, are we? Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. So. Calm let down. me backtrack that. So let me not, let me just call it. No, I'll hold on to it. All right. I'll hold on to that. I'll hold on to that. So, so I have concerns about that one. Um, market capitalization. Um, but then I think about it. You know, cost of living in like Brazil is probably a lot less than it is here. So, I guess it's, I'm not. It's a little bit less than New York City. I, I, I just, I just take oh. a guess depending where it is. Just to let you know, guys, Sao Paulo is one of the most expensive cities in, in yeah. the continent. So Yeah, but you don't have to live in Sao Paulo or Brasilia or Rio, you know? Of course. Florinopolis. Oh, if, or Florinopolis. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm, really, I'm really excited for this league coming up. Um, I personally have interest in, in a bit more north in Colombia, but that's obviously not happening for a couple of good reasons. Um, but from this article that came out, there was also an America's Rugby News article that came out, and they said that there's a very good chance that a lot of the players will actually be Argentinian, and it won't be like, you know, only five foreign players coming in because, I mean, really, the U.S. has a bit of a difficulty in getting just domestic-based players, you know, for eight teams or so. But South America would definitely have a lot of issues with, with getting depth when it comes to a lot of these players. Um, there may be more more teams coming up in Argentina than some others. Um, some people have thought that um, Chile, for instance, would only have one um, for a couple of reasons. Um, or Uruguay even only having one, even though it's so well known um, in the rugby scene in, in South America. Um, it's just such a small country that it may not be able to sustain that. Brazil is huge, um, and I'm pretty sure that World Rugby would really try and support as much as they can to just building rugby 
in South America, especially Brazil, um, just to you know build up that market down there. Um, the interesting thing is, so you know, when the Jaguares came, Jaguares, 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 whatever, Jaguares, Jaguares. <laughs> Uh, you know, the Argentine club system, they're very proud in, in their amateur status. So I wonder, will the Argentinian clubs fight this thing? I think they'll be opposed to it, but I don't know to what extent, really. Um, I, I'm also curious to know if they play in completely different seasons from the professional league and from the club rugby season, That if they would be willing to take back professional players into the clubs or if they would a hundred percent be against that. Um, I don't really know Argentina's that well, but I've seen some people posting actually on the, on the tier two rugby website um, that it's a really fascinating culture down there and they're really, really tight knit and strict kind of community. So I feel like they'd be a bit against it. So um, the next one is all your topic, man, fantasy rugby. So we're going to try and figure out how to do this. Yeah, so we we wanted to do fantasy rugby, and we've been talking about it for a while. Um, And it really actually came partially from Liam Manigan, who's from Penguin Penguin Tundra. Um, He's another actual writer on Major League Rugby and USA Rugby, too. Um, He came up with his own scorecard, and we kind of talked to him for a bit, and we tried to figure out something that actually works, because really, we don't have that many stats to really go off of. Um, We just did it with the NOLA game versus Houston, um, for the record, I beat him. So, you know, take whatever you want from that. But basically, for the time being, we're just doing tries, conversions, uh, penalty kicks, cards, and win losses tracked for uh, five players in a team. So, just keeping it simple for now, we're going to do a couple more when we have these preseason exhibition matches. And if there's a couple going on the same week, that really just opens up the opportunity for more players. Um, it's really pick any five players, it doesn't have to be. You know, five from the same team, five from different teams. They're all open. We're just trying to work this out. We're going to try and make it like more centralized because we were talking about that. I'm sorry? Are we going to try and like make it more, I guess, systematic uh, a bit? We're talking about that uh, working through Google. Yeah. I mean, we that would be very nice actually to even just get like everything on through Google Sheets or something like that. So it's not just a bunch of people you know, running down for themselves. I mean, once the actual season comes out and we have more to really go off of and we can make it a bit more official, we'd like to be able to do everything through, you know, a central location. Um, Just so everyone can actually be in the same league together. It's automatic so that they don't have to actually know every single player and do the math themselves and mess it up, almost like they're playing bowling with, like, those little scorecards. It just does it all for you. You don't have to worry about it and... You could brag afterwards too. So that's something we want to do. So definitely stay tuned. Um, it was fun the first time, even though we didn't get to watch the matches. But like I said, I won. I, I beat Liam. So that's all I got to say on that. <laughs> so moving on to uh, views, news, and abuse. Uh, I guess we're going to call it. We're going to work on some abuse later on in the show. Um, so Rugby United New York was in the news in four different sources this weekend. Uh, the42.ie by Murray Kinsella, and then there was an article in the Sunday Times, which is subscription-based service. Um, then the Telegraph and the Irish Independent. Um, we got a press release that we uh, pushed out on Monday. Uh, Chasing Great 
Sir Richie's documentary opens for North American theatrical release on was on Wednesday was the premiere. And then I guess wide release is Friday. The only two places I've seen it though, are in Dan and Victor's neck of the woods. So um, if you're in New York, check it out um, on chasing great movie.com. I think I think there's chasing a great film.com. Chasing great film.com. I think there might be a screening in New York tomorrow, which is Wednesday. If you're mm-hmm. listening to this tomorrow and it's Wednesday and you don't know what day it is. Um, I don't know much about that, but there's a website so we can go there instead. So, find out everything um, there. And as everyone knows, uh, we track MLRLL, possible MLRLLCs. We're and, bored. One, <laughs> and, one, <laughs> and one was launched. It's called Southland Rugby. LLC. The guy is, uh, well, um, he put his name on public record, but he is the Pasadena RFC president, registered it as like professional team. So I think there's at least going to be an attempt for a Los Angeles team in the next couple of years. Uh, in, and if yes, Southland is a, you know, county union in, in New Zealand, but, Los, the Los Angeles and OC area is called the Southland. So, which is a pretty, I mean, it's a pretty cool name to have as a nickname. Um, also, fun fact: the Southland Union head coach is um, oh shit, Dave, well, Dave Hewitt. Dave Hewitt, which I just happened to see as I was looking this up. I don't think there's anything involved at all between the two. That's just a fun little tidbit. Um. um Utah added two guys to their coaching staff in Mark Numbers and Robert Randall. Um, they got some really good resumes. They're local guys to Utah. Uh, they've been around high-performance programs. So they're going to be a good addition to Coach Alf Daniels. Then we've got uh, professional advisors coming on board. This was kind of big. I wasn't sure if we wanted to make this a big topic. But Wade Sherman, uh, he's a VP with Adobe. Big time lawyer uh, for the Utah Warriors coming on board. And then Eddie O'Sullivan and Shane Horgan are on the advisory board for Rugby United New York. And there was a lot of Seattle press this week. Uh, they, uh, was it South? It was like Southside. Yeah, Southside Seattle Regional Tourism Authority and Southside Seattle. Chamber of Commerce partnerships were announced. Those were big. That's, that's where Tukwila is, I think, right? Where Starfire? Yeah, I think so. So yeah. it's covering that that little city, which is basically Seattle, but it's not actually Seattle. Yeah. Um, that's where the Starfire is. Yeah. And then um, Seat- the Seattle press conference was yesterday. Uh, Shane Skinner came out and said the international TV deal is going to be announced shortly. Um and then Dean House was on Mighty 1090 AM um, today with uh, Matt Hawkins uh, discussing for 20 minutes uh, about MLR in the San Diego market. So the commissioner has put it in writing, or I guess uh, on the air, the salary cap for full-time players is 350K. We've heard 250 and we've heard 350 has now been confirmed, which when you think about it, in-season salary, if you only split that up between 10 guys, 
for full-timers for three and a half months worth of work, that's pretty good, right? Um, it's almost what I make. So, um, and he also said that their over-the-top uh, television network deal is done on that interview, and he'll be they'll be announcing it shortly. And then for you know all those that uh, go to where we come from, which is RML Rugby, we just crossed the one eleven hundred subscriber mark. So, you know, stay involved, uh, get in the rucks, and you know, talk about it. <laughs> all right, moving on. Questions from Bob. Where's our producer? Whoa! Hey, there he is. Oh, what's, what's on your head, everybody? Oh, hey, yeah, no, I just, I found this, uh, I was walking down the street the other day, I was playing on the ground, picked it up. It's pretty comfy, it's nice and warm. By the way, for those of you listening, we're talking about um, Corey's hat, he has a winter hat, since you don't see it, because you're listening to this. It's an MLR hat, it's not just a normal. Oh, yes, yes, yeah, it's, an, ML, it's an MLR beanie. I, I like the, uh, I like the spindle, the, the, the ball spindle. on top, that's, 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 a, that's a nice touch. Yeah, absolutely. Nice People who are listening are really missing out. They're really missing out on this. Yeah, well, watch a video if you want to see this. As I say, yeah, you can go back. Uh, we're at the 49-minute uh, mark right now in the video. So just uh, jump back on YouTube, go to 49 minutes, check out my awesome-tastic hat. It's totally yeah. worth your time. All right, guys. So we got some questions from Bob and from others. So let's jump right into it. Uh, Bob, 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 Boberson, our friend, friend of the show, Bob, namesake of the questions from Bob, wants to know, where in the rugby schedule is there room for something like an American Club Cup between a hypothetical South American League and MLR? So this kind of goes back to what you were talking about earlier with uh, if there is any room for a competition between MLR and what they're trying to build in South America. Um, so currently there isn't really an American rugby calendar. There is that new world rugby calendar that launches in 2019, um, which, you know, I think MLR figured out the gap in the, you know, the American sporting space, uh, you know, start in February and go through now June because then you have the July internationals in 2019. But since Sapper is coming, Sapperl, Sapperl. Which is not the official name. We're just calling it that. Yeah, we for anyone caring, uh, you know, create a website, a Twitter and a Facebook, and then we can, you know, we can start talking about seriosity. <laughs> but, um, you know, so the to, the test window moves to July. I'd say, you know, MLR playoffs, uh, you know, wrap up in June. Uh, you can have a, you know, a two week tournament with the uh, the MLR champ versus the Pearl runner up. And the MLR runner-up versus the Sapperl champ, you know. But for me, that's really a 200-meter target. Um, and I think TV money is definitely going to dictate this because the Champions Cup happened in year one of professionalism. Well, those, those clubs are also established, so that probably has a lot to do with it. I, it would take years for it to happen. Also, based on the fact that there's a good chance that MLR clubs will eventually outpace the South American clubs, except for maybe the Argentinian ones. Um, so that obviously plays a lot into it. You don't want to have a Champions Cup if one league is significantly better than the other one. But if we did actually do like a, a top two versus a the other top two, then 
I think we would be able to make it work um, to some degree. I mean, I've said this multiple times. I, I really want to see this happen. I think it's a really exciting idea. I think that South America really should be um, a great spot for rugby if people can just look past soccer and not get stuck in the whole politics of, of that. I mean, there's obviously kids who don't like soccer in South America who want something different, and they'd be really perfect for this. Um, so yeah, that's all I got to say about that part. But it will definitely, if there was the Champions Cup, would have to be either right after the season, in like August to December, which would be awesome to go down to South America in in the winter. Um, I, I really hate how the EPCR is a concurrent competition. Yeah, that's that makes it feel like soccer to me, to be honest. Like it's confusing. And then but I don't know, like the games are going on and then like there's I think the or am I getting confused with the Six Nations where they have like also like the other side still so playing. So they have A League games go on during yeah. that period of time. So and I think Anglo some Anglo Welsh fixtures for the teams that aren't involved. Yeah, yeah. Um but it's just it's just annoying because when I want to see the champion or like the top teams that finish that year go directly into a tournament because guess who the European champion was last year? Uh, the Saracens. Mm-hmm. But who was the premiership champion? Exeter Chiefs. Yeah. Exeter Chiefs, who won the who the premiership final was after the European final. Does that make any sense? It's yeah. It's I mean, it's just kind of. Well, that part is just weird too, because I mean, I have soccer soccer friends, or fans of soccer who are my friends, and they follow the EPL, and it's basically just nonstop soccer the entire year, except for like one and a half months. And like, I I really, I feel like it loses the value a bit when you have all these mini tournaments going on in between the main tournament. Um, you know, maybe just one isn't that big of a deal, but it's just like it's so confusing. Where I'm like, so what's what do people care more about? Do they care more about the European Championship or do they care more about the Aviva Championship? Like, what's what matters more? Hey, at least it, it's better than the Concacaf Champions League. I mean, you had Colorado qualify for the this year's Champions League in 2016. Wow, that's incredible. Yeah, because, for example, talking about English Premier League, you have the league itself. Then you have Champions. Uh, you have Champions Cup. Oh, excuse me, Champions League. Then you got Europe, the Europa League or the Europa Cup, whatever it's called. And you got the FA Cup, which is a tournament from all the English teams. Yeah, so, so I guess the way that works, this would be funny, right? So you have Europa League. So who's the the champion? Right? Is the person the Champions Cup, Champions League winner, and the Europa League winner? They play each other, right? Um, so it's too much. Why don't we have a challenge, tr- challenge cup versus a championship cup uh, when like going on in you know EPCR? <laughs> Just trying to throw all sorts of things out here. Uh, yeah. So, for example, this is something that doesn't happen in rugby league. In league, you know, you got the National Rugby League having their yeah, tournament. Yeah. Super League has their turn. Super League has their tournament, and then both champions play each other in the World Club, Club Challenge, uh, usually during the preseason. I mean, that's a great idea. I would re- no, I really like the idea of teams playing each other in a Champions Cup kind of league, but I would like to see it at a time 
in the offseason or like the consecutive, or something. Consecutive, yeah. not concurrent. Because then like, oh, it's going on for a couple of weeks. This is really exciting. It's great. And then you go back to a different league. And but see, if if you did that in Europe, you wouldn't have any time off because if you put well, they, they run from what September to May, have, they don't have time off as it is. So yeah, I mean, but then you're just adding on to it. Well, no, they're just changing I, you know, the times basically. So I've already, I mean, I've you know, Dan's probably read me read stuff I've written. So what I would do is, you know, you you chop some of the games. You don't need to play round robin in a twelve freaking team league when you're trying to play, you know, 10 other fixtures, uh, you know, like, Jesus, <laughs> but you know, yeah, whatever. Let's just not repeat the same mistakes. If we, and do. this is also really hypothetical because it's about MLR, which the league hasn't happened yet. The, it obviously is happening. And the South American league, which is just announced as planning on happening for 2019. But that's, that's all we have based off of it. I mean, they said that they'd get teams in the Curry Cup from South America too, and that hasn't really happened for the most part either. Um, so it's all theoretical yeah. at this point. And it's really theoretical because it's between these two theoretical competitions for the most part. So, All, all right. right. Very good. Thanks, guys. Uh, moving on, we've got a new submitter this week. This is coming in from LI Rugby one Le Rugby One? Lee Rugby One? LL Rugby? Is it LL? It is LL Rugby One. Oh, okay. It's not LI. It's not LI. LL. LL Rugby One. I'd like to know, what's better for rugby in the U.S. going forward? Having a super rugby franchise, a Pro 14, or a successful MLR? Um... The latter, of course. MLR. Yeah, I think MLR. we know what our opinions are going to be. Go away. The go take, take your crap for the Pro 14 and go away. Distraction. Uh, um, I actually, I just looked up uh, Life Love Rugby. That's what it is. He has a blog and he writes a bit about rugby. But yes, MLR, that's what we want. Um, I'm not going to be as harsh about it and tell you to take your crap away like Aaron says, but I think that Americans won't care as much about a foreign league that happens to have a couple at best teams playing in it. And they would rather see a domestic league. Cause they're not like, if I'm from New York, I'm going to care about a Boston or DC or Philly rivalry. I'm not going to care about Dublin or uh, where are they playing in Italy? Like Milan or something <laughs> like that. Northern Italy somewhere. Mm-hmm. Oh, you mean Treviso? Treviso. Treviso. Or, or, or Zebra in Parma. Yeah, so, exactly. So here is the cool thing. So I spoke about, I spoke to Will McGee's dad uh, in LA, and he talks about how rabid the Italian fan base is in areas that don't have soccer. Like, so uh, what is it? Um, Vicenza doesn't have soccer. And they have, you know, like thousands of people go out to their club matches, and they're, it's all like always slammed. And I'm that's like, awesome. really? That's amazing. I want to live there, you know? So, yeah, I'd love to watch that. I mean, they go crazy for basically anything really over there. So, all right. Uh, last question for the evening for, comes from uh, 
Getcheveria. Uh, did Mike Petri retire from international rugby, or did he just fall out of favor with the coaches? He, he retired after the 2015 World Cup from international play, just like Chris Lyles did, uh, but he still plays for Nyack. And actually, to add on to that, everyone, uh, because I mean, I had to, I might as well mention this. Um, just this past, oh, excuse me, just this past Saturday, I went to a, a Rugby United New York event to meet players. And it was quite lovely, by the way. And I actually mentioned Chris Petrie, I mean, Chris Petrie, Mike Petrie. To some of his Nyack buddies, and he and they say that he's indeed involved with the team. He may play again. Not sure if it will happen, but he's indeed involved. So, yo, he may be, he may be I'm gonna, involved. I'm gonna be shilling for his book right now. Hey, he he wrote a children's book. It's called R is for Rugby. Go buy it. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Yep. Easy reading. Okay. All right. Well, hey, guys, thank you so much. I guess uh, that probably just about wraps up the show. Any final thoughts? <laughs> final thoughts? <laughs> oh. Daniel, go oh. ahead, bro. Go Dan. ahead, Dan. Um, Dan. Well, we, we, this isn't technically news for the most part uh, because we knew it was happening. Um, but the South Africa versus Wales match was confirmed uh, to be taking place in Washington, D.C., at the lovely RFK Stadium. Um, you could just we, leave it there. Yeah, we. Yeah. I was actually thinking of going, so I'm not saying that I would have hated actually being at the match and watching it, but the whole planning process and decision-making and the entire idea about it, just, it just doesn't really make much sense. I mean, it's it really just seems like time and time again, um, Rim... I guess tries to do things to improve rugby in the U S and then just ends up kind of shooting itself in the foot and hurting rugby to a degree. Cause the same day that this is happening is when the CRCs are happening just an hour and a half away, like in Philadelphia at Talon where there's 30,000 fans that go to that. And I've seen at least a couple comments so far that are saying, Oh, I would have loved to go to this because it's so close to get to DC but my son is playing in the CRCs. So it brings up a whole ton of different questions saying like, why did they pick this place? Why did they pick RFK stadium? Um, Audi fields being finished a month later. If they just waited until the next time a teams can come over, then they can have a really nice stadium brand new. Um, I kind hey, of don't forget the club championships are happening that weekend too. Yeah. Someone else take over. Cause I'm losing no. my train of thought here. So, so it cost us $1 million to get the All Blacks to play us. So at a minimum, we're looking at three hundred. it was like 750K per team and maybe even a million dollars per team. And then, so when I heard about this and I was like, well, you know, screw them because it's not like they're not wanting to couple it with a USA rugby event. They're just coming here for a cash grab. I was like – you know, it, it was more so because the Welsh, like, uh, CEO or somebody said we weren't – the Eagles weren't a proper side. And, you know, calibrate your language, man. Like, you, somebody – like, Simon Rugg was like – Simon Thomas said – I was like, no, I was there. He did not mean it. And I was like, no, he meant what he said, man. He came over here to take our money and run away. And why did, why did he mean that? Because in a calendar year – Wales will have played three out-of-window matches. 
RSA already last November, RSA again this June, and then Scotland for the Dottie Weir Cup again in November. So they're just out to get the money, the Welsh on Um And Rim, David, I don't know you, but you do not impress me with your inability to put up billboards and do media blitzes in the local area because I'm from L.A. There were no billboards anywhere saying, hey, come to StubHub. We've got a test. And there were no billboards in L.A. again for Fullerton. Like, it's the same market. It was a smaller stadium. Um, there was a buy on the schedule. And you didn't seek to give out tickets to youth programs? So how are you – you're going to need to sell this thing out to make money? So why aren't you marketing Eagles products, right? We have the club product. We have the club nationals. We have the college nationals, both 15s and 7s that they own, that they have to promote, that they obviously aren't going to promote because they're saving their, you know, saving their their wad to just pay out, uh, you know, um, Wales and South Africa, right? So, and then we've got our own tests in June. And then we've got a bigger event that we're going to, right? in rugby world cup sevens that needs some love like are you trying to drag yourself into the hole like i you read the financials and they're just burning cash on the rugby channel and i don't see it you know i don't and it's just a it's just a big middle finger to the american rugby community by not assessing the calendar and saying you know, maybe we should just call up United World Sports, even though we have a horrible relationship with them, quote unquote. Um, and you know, double header. Let's let's put this at the CRCs. You know, because awesome. which would be legit, right? Or wait a week, because they're Wales is going on tour to Argentina. They're playing two matches, not three. So they could wait a week and play play somebody else in a rugby weekend where we could have a doubleheader on Friday, the Eagles play whomever they're going to play because it's unannounced right now because Germany went into the hole. And uh, then on Saturday in, in Denver, you know, you could have Wales RSA and you could have a massive weekend. We could go to an MLR match, you know, midday, right? We could go to Glendale midday. And then a couple hours later, skedaddle over to Dick's and, Go to you know Wales, Republic of South Africa. Wouldn't that be an awesome weekend? Where you got like oh my. So, I, I mean, everyone who knows me knows my my position on rim, and this just pisses me off. I guess the only thing I'll add to this entire discussion is just I'm going back to the uh, comments out of Wales. I that ticks me off. Uh, I. I Never considered myself a particularly patriotic person, but uh, I feel a little, you know, America sons of bitches. Yeah, <laughs> uh, about this whole thing. So I don't know. I I have no interest in the match. I could care less what happens in Wales versus uh, South Africa. I'm not going to watch. I'm not going to participate. I'm not going to promote it. I bet it's on the rugby channel too. <laughs> <laughs> Part of it will be on the Mercury Channel. Seriously, yeah. Well, what what doesn't uh, cut out or freeze on you? So yeah, I mean, 
I know there's a lot involved with this, and, and I know that um, when Will Chang came on Rugby Wrap-Up uh, a month or so ago and trying to answer a bunch of questions, it's like, yes, I understand that this is – I'm not very smart financially, um, so I don't really understand how a lot of these things work financially. However, there's certain common sense things that I feel like that that people should just be able to do, like what Aaron was saying – instead of getting them to play in DC that specific day, wait one week if it's possible, if there are not other things going on or go to uh, mile high. It's a big stadium. Um, we've already got a ton of fans there. Try and work something out with United world sports and have, you know, there's already 30,000 fans plus their kids at this in Philadelphia, not including the actual Philadelphians there and the, the Welsh people from New York, which by the way, um, not that there are really a ton of Welsh people in the country, but some of the largest population are actually in Pennsylvania and like Ohio. And I think New York too. South Jersey, South Jersey, South Jersey. So like, I guess you'll, you'll still get enough people who are interested from New York who would go down for that. But at this point, this is all academic, though, because, I mean, the, the game's set yeah. and the location and the date are set. And, uh, yeah, so we, we're pretty much just stuck reacting to this. And I'm just giving this with thumbs down big time. This is the, this is the greatest thing because RIM doesn't have a website. They had to build a new website for this game so you can buy tickets. Oh, yeah. It's, it's like <laughs> Wales versus South Africa.com. <laughs> <laughs> I saw it. <laughs> oh man! Oh, but like, but like people keep comparing this and and like the Wales um, CEO and everything they say, like, oh well, when Ireland played New Zealand in Soldier Field, it was sold out. It was great. It's like, yeah, well, it was a whole weekend, and US played Maori that weekend, the, Maori, too, yeah. the, the like day the before Maori, or something. In front of twenty eight thousand, so the the Maori match was sold out, and yeah. then the All Blacks Ireland match was sold out. That was like. Awesome. And they're actually teams that people care about in the country. Like there's a ton of Irish people or at least people who claim to be Irish like myself, or there are people who say, Oh, I've heard of New Zealand. They do that be thing Irish. before the, before the games. This looks fun. So seriously. <laughs> All right, guys, any other final thoughts uh, before we uh, check out for the evening? Uh, how much time do you have? There's <laughs> like, <laughs> I do okay, want to yeah, get do want yeah, to give ahead. a quick just give a quick uh, shout out to Raphael who's been over on the comments with us tonight. Thanks for hanging out, man. It's good to hear from you, and uh, we're gonna have to have you back in for uh, another one of our uh, match companions sometime. That'll be fun. Maybe once the season gets started. So take care of yourself, man. It's great to hear from you. That's yeah, all so I got. So uh, Victor, take us home, man. You got it. So yeah, again, shout outs to to my. To, to, my hermano dominicano Rafael, rather right in the comments. Gracias, hermano. So, guys, uh, quick things before I go to the end of the of the show. So, first of all, um, like I briefly mentioned, again, I was in the Rooney event, and I promised shout outs to the the players I talked to. So, quick shout outs. First of all, to uh, Marcus Walsh, the 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 scrum have to play for Nyack against the Sabercats. He got man of the match in the match they had a scrimmage they had against Army, which, by the way. Uh, the 141 to 14. Uh, also, shout outs to Gavin Damore. Uh, it was really cool to talk to. He's from All Blue. Uh, he's half Italian, half Honduran, which I have to say is a really cool mix. 
Uh, I taught him the the nickname that Hondurans used to refer to themselves, which is Catracho, which I, I'm, I have no idea if that has a translation in Spanish anyway. So now he knows what that is. Also, Santi, John Santiago, Puerto Rican brother from Nayak. Uh, Andrew, which is one of the fly halves from New York Rugby Club. Uh, I know Dan knows him. Um, Chris from Lansdowne, who I could swear was Dominican, but he's actually from Fiji. <laughs> Neo, cool Irish dude. Um, Harry Bennett, the fly have also uh, for Nayak. He told me already that he is um, USA qualified. We were gushing about him last week. Uh, or oh, was it? Yeah, I think last week or two weeks ago. So cool guy too. Um, Curlin Hamilton, Seamus uh, Kelly, uh, Eagle, really cool to talk to. And Anthony Perry, who's now following us on Instagram, and I'm probably listening to this too. So again, shout outs to all those guys. Also, real quick shout outs to fellow Dominican Juan Diego Marte Perez. Who is a Dominican kid that's going to be playing in the Los in Las Vegas Invitational this week uh, with um, Kansas um, Rugby Football Club? So best of luck to my Dominican brother there. Okay, so with all that, let's go to the end of the tour. Uh, the end of the tour, excuse me. See, I, I feel like I'm at work. Let's go to the end of the, at the end of the show, guys. So this was episode 25 of the Info Dirt Rugby Podcast, uh, Major League Rugby Podcast, I should say. So guys, thank you for joining us. Um, make sure to uh, subscribe to us on YouTube, of course, Earful of the Dirt podcast. Um, like us on Facebook, uh, Twitter, and Instagram at Earful of the Dirt and all of those. And of course, our website, EarfulOfTheDirt.com, where you can check out several articles about what's going on in the league. Make sure to add us on iTunes, ACAS, Google Play, Stitcher, and Player FM. Make sure to leave us a review, like the, the two reviews that we got. Thank you very much for the person that did that. And call us at our phone number, which is 720-600-2679. Again, 1-720-600-2679. And, of course, join us at our live broadcast at 10 p.m. Eastern, 7 p.m. Pacific time. So with that said, guys, my name is Victor. Again, that was Corey. That was Josh. That was Daniel. That was Aaron Castro, and we'll see you all next week. Muchas gracias. Take care. Connect with Earful of Dirt anytime. We're on Facebook and Twitter as Earful of Dirt. You can email us at earfulofdirt at gmail.com or call and leave us a voicemail at 720-600-2679. Until next time, for Aaron, Dan, and Victor... I'm Corey. Thanks for joining us.